Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. This week, we are excited to have Michelle Dwyer teaching in our current series, Eating with Jesus. And Michelle is a licensed pastor in the Alliance Canada and also serves as a member of our executive board for the district here in Alberta. Michelle is married to Brian and is a mom to three teens. And she was last with us in late September, where she shared with us about a book that she was working on, and it has since been published and is titled Fierce Hope. We're thrilled to have her join us this week. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to the viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you. And you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may your hearts be open and expectant. Because God is here and Jesus invites you to bring all you are and all you're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. It's such a privilege to be here with you this evening. Um, Beautiful, sunny, Calgary, summer day, and you guys came here to hear the word of the Lord. I'm excited to bring and to come and to share with you. Uh, your congregation is so kind, as your pastor just pointed out. I was here in September. Uh, it's so interesting. Uh, I shared at that time about the cancer journey I was about to, uh, treatment journey I was about to embark on. Because Pastor Clyde had asked me before he even knew of that to speak about suffering and hope. And so I decided I would come nonetheless. We were kind of taking a long route to Edmonton where I started my treatment then. It was the last time I spoke on a Sunday morning until, from then until now, I've been in treatment. I finished about a month ago, and this is the first time I'm going to preach in a weekend service since then. And both happened here at Southview. I thought that was so, so interesting. So I'm happy to tell you, yes, thank you. Thanks be to God who carries us through really difficult things. The theme of your series, Eating with Jesus, was so interesting to me because I felt like, indeed, through the dark months of the winter, we were walking through a valley of a shadow. And that shadow loomed large often. And in that space, Psalm 23 says he prepares a table before us. And he wants us to feast in his presence rather than be focused on the shadow. And as we feast on his presence, he strengthens us. And so here we come today to the word of the Lord to again look at eating with Jesus. Oh, I did tell the pastor I would show the book that I did indeed publish during that journey, Fierce Hope. Uh, I was going to actually stop the presses, literally. I didn't think I could release a book while I was going through treatment. And then it seemed like a bit of an act of defiance to say that even in the middle of that, I had a fierce hope. And I would actually say that my hope is more fierce than ever. This is our God. This is what he does. And so let's come now and gather around the word of the Lord and hear what he has to say in this passage about eating with Jesus. Friends, this is the word of God. Our passage tonight comes from Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. 
It is a simple and brief story with much for us to learn. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. This story stirs up a lot of emotions for many of us, perhaps more for women than for men. I would be tempted, yes, I know, thank you. Someone chuckled. They got what I'm ta- where I'm going already. I would be tempted to say, would you raise your hand if you don't like this story? <laughs> I have a sister. I like to say she is younger than me but looks older. <laughs> but she's not here. She would often say, oh, Michelle, you're being such a Martha. Stop being such a Martha from her place of reclining on the couch. Some of you know whereof I speak, don't you? This being a Martha gets thrown around like some kind of an insult. Of course, as sisters do, we are good friends, but we are rather sassy. I'll say you're hardly worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Get off your phone and come help me in the kitchen. And perhaps even some of the men among us have thought, stop being such a Martha. So what would the Lord say to us tonight, men and women, through this story? Perhaps not what you would expect. I don't know. We'll see, won't we? I'd like to invite you to engage in this story with me uh, using an ancient uh, practice called gospel contemplation. This uh, was... Um, developed by Ignatius of Loyola in the 16th century as a way for people to begin to experience Jesus within their own story. So you have a creative imagination of all God's created beings. It's humans that have a creative imagination because you were created in the image of God who is the creator. And so I would invite you by the power of this spirit tonight to engage your sanctified imagination And ask the Holy Spirit, where am I in this story tonight? It might not be where you would expect. Simply invite him to show you. We'll walk through this passage and see the friendship of Jesus and the hospitality of Martha. We'll notice how distraction keeps us from fellowship with God and others. And we will see how Jesus likes to recalibrate our values. So imagine yourself in this very first part. Simply, where are you? As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they come to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed her, them, him into her home. There's so many things in this simple verse. The humanity of Jesus. Something that's mysterious to us that he was God and man. He got hungry and tired. His disciples got hungry and tired. There's something also about being a leader, as Jesus was, 
that he was constantly bombarded in the crowds by both the Pharisees and those in desperate need. To be invited into the warmth of the home of a friend. Do you have those friends where you don't have to edit anymore? You can kind of let down your hair. Maybe you can put your feet up on the coffee table at their house. It's a good and wonderful thing to gather with friends. We've missed that so much. And so I love to observe that what Martha was offering Jesus was hospitality. Hospitality is a really important theme in scripture. It's the offering of our time and resources to live thoughtfully and generously toward others, to ensure they feel welcomed, included, and loved. Throughout scripture, way back in the very beginning, Old Testament in Leviticus, the book of the law, there's strict instructions to offer hospitality to the foreigner and the stranger among us. Because God says, remember, once upon a time, you also were a foreigner and a stranger. In 1 Peter 4 9, it says, show hospitality without grumbling. I sometimes forget that's a passage. My husband recently invited people over when I was already on the couch quite comfortable, if you know what I mean. And I groaned and said, oh, I guess I should go wipe the toilet. <laughs> Let's be real. Show hospitality without grumbling. And my dear husband, who is not able to be here tonight, got up and went and swished the toilet himself. Well, I get a little more presentable for company. Show hospitality. Hebrews 13.2 says, show hospitality. Thereby some have entertained angels without knowing it. And hospitality is also mentioned in a list of spiritual gifts. And I actually thought I'll take a minute and unpack this passage just a little more, even though it is not our main passage. When we talk about spiritual gifts that God has given to each one of us so that we can fully together resemble the body of Christ, it mentions hospitality. It's an incredibly important gift. In Romans 12, starting at verse 6, he's talking about Christ's body and how we are many parts and we belong to each other. And when we come together, it says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And then he goes on a little bit longer, and then he says, always be eager to practice hospitality. So I take a minute here to highlight that the Apostle Paul rated hospitality, being kind, serving others right up there with teaching and prophecy. In our humanity, sometimes we rank these things. There is no ranking when it comes to the body of Christ coming where each one brings the gift they've been given. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. It's incredibly important. It ranks here. And I point that out because Martha gets a bad rap, doesn't she? But I think she's functioning within her gift. It is her gift given by God the creator within her to open her home and say, come and eat. I will provide dinner for you. I love that. 
She was doing the right thing. And Jesus has a way of showing up and making gentle adjustments needed in our souls so that we do the right thing in the right way. Some of you have probably, if you've been accused of being a Martha, felt that awful discomfort that we have when we think, well, who else is going to cook dinner then? Or I would love to be Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus right now, not sweating as I whisk the gravy and carve the turkey and mash the potatoes. Martha is doing something incredibly valuable. Jesus just wants to bring a gentle adjustment to it. Let's keep reading here. In verse 39, it says, Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And so Jesus, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. So let's pause again for just a moment. In the gospel contemplation, where are you sitting in this room right now? With Jesus? What is your position? I'm not a a Greek scholar, but I, I can use a Greek dictionary. This word distracted is a Greek word that means to be cumbered about, to drag around, to be drawn or dragged, to be driven about mentally, over-occupied, too busy about a thing. It's the only time the word is used in Scripture. Perhaps um, you can relate to this feeling, if you're honest, that you know what it is to be driven about mentally to be dragged about and consumed with something that's causing you to be distressed and distracted. I definitely feel this way when I cook Christmas dinner, okay? I'm just going to be honest. About, mm, I think it's seven years ago, a YouTube video got really popular. I have three children. They are now young adults, but at the time, they were all like junior high, early senior high. And I found them uh, at the kitchen counter one day giggling over a device going, it's mom, it's mom. Yes, I know. Somebody in the room has seen this video. It's called Companies Coming, in which a husband has dressed up like his wife, and he's running around with a vacuum cleaner getting ready for company coming, and he's shrieking rather hysterically, pretending to be his wife, mocking, saying, I don't care if we have to throw everything out. What are we, barbarians? There's no time to make the beds. Throw them away. And my children are watching this video, and they're laughing. And they get to a part where this mother is lining up the stools at the kitchen counter and she freaks out because they're in the wrong order. The grain of the chair has to be lined up this way. And that's when my children go, that's mom. And I'm like, that is not true much. Y'all could push the stools into the counter. He, she shrieks, it must look like no one lives here. And if you haven't been that person, you have seen that person. Be nice to your mothers right now, children in the room. What causes this? Perhaps it's not manifest in your life this way. Perhaps it's somewhere else that you get stressed out and distracted. Where you lose your capacity to speak kindly and graciously and think the best about others. You ask the Holy Spirit where this shows up in your life. Perhaps it's not over plumping the cushions. 
I ask myself, what causes this? Is it a desire to perform perfectly? Is it a sense of scarcity and not good enough? It begins to consume our mental, physical, and emotional energy. It keeps us from having space to offer others, which is what hospitality is. Space to offer others. It limits our creativity, and we have no peace to extend. An interesting question also came up as I thought through the what-ifs, the whys of this. And I would ask, what are you afraid of? Again, I came up with the question, perhaps it is of not being good enough. And this distraction leads Martha to have this outburst where she accuses Mary. And she even says this awkward phrase, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? Have you heard the cry of the victim ever come out of your mouth and wished you hadn't said it out loud? She's so driven about and distraught that the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, isn't present. The love, the peace, the kindness, the gentleness, the patience that God by His Spirit would fill us with so that we can make space for others. Doesn't it seem unfair to you And she compares herself to her sister. Tell her to come help me. And I want you to hear the tenderness in the Lord's reply to her in verse 41. He says, my dear Martha. And if in this moment you are aware of where you perhaps fall short of the glory. Where you have not had a margin and space grace for others in your life. I want you to hear Jesus saying, my dear daughter, my dear son, he doesn't come with condemnation and shame. He comes with a gentle adjustment. He says, you're worried and upset over all these details. What is Jesus saying? I don't sense he's shaming her. I wonder if he's just longing for her to operate in her gift with peace. I wonder if she had continued preparing the meal with patience and gentleness and kindness. Perhaps moving about and listening into the conversation, celebrating and enjoying the presence of Jesus in her home if we wouldn't have this story recorded. I don't think it was the cooking and the preparation of the food that was the problem. Because we know God cares about food and eating. He created food in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. There was no stress about preparing dinner there. That sounds like paradise to me. Eating matters to God. There's so many mention in Scripture of feasting and eating. There's commandments at certain times to gather together. Someone had to prepare that food. I don't think the work was the problem. But perhaps the attitude of worship that would come into our work, that the focus would be the love and the service that comes through our labors, whatever labor you are called to, that your focus would be on Jesus rather than consumed with all these details distressed, worried, or upset. 
It's really hard to be distressed, worried, or upset and have a heart of worship at the same time. But worship can displace these things. And then Jesus invites her to align her values with his values. There is only thing, one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Beyond the fact that Jesus is highlighting that Mary is focused on him in this moment, I would like to point out that what's happening here that we might not be aware of in our modern-day Calgary life is what a radically culturally unusual thing was happening. This phrase, at his feet, Mary sat at his feet, isn't just meaning like that she was literally sitting at his feet. She may have been, but the phrase of being at the feet of a rabbi meant that you were learning from this rabbi in order to become a rabbi yourself. So Mary is sitting in this posture to learn of Jesus as one who wants to become a teacher herself. This phrase, at his feet, is the phrase Paul used to describe his own learning. At the feet of Gamaliel, it says, you would announce which rabbi you had learned under as credentials, as though I would announce my university degrees to you so you would know whether or not I should listen to you. This is the phrase, at his feet. Mary is sitting at his feet as one learning how to be a teacher herself, unheard of for the woman not to be cooking, but rather at the feet of Jesus among his disciples. So once again, I invite you into the story. This is a socially awkward situation. On so many levels, how many of the disciples are sitting there going, what is she doing? This is so weird. I admit when I first moved to the peace country, I found things culturally different than where I had grown up in Nova Scotia, back east. Uh, often when we would go to someone's house on the weekend, I would find all the men in the living room and all the women in the kitchen. But I hadn't seen my husband all week long. I wanted to go sit with the men because I missed my husband. And I did, often simply refusing <laughs> to do otherwise. And one night a man called me on it. He asked me why I wasn't in the kitchen with the women. I know, right? Got to learn to love them. It was 25 years ago. I'm sure he's figured it out by now. I said, I miss my husband. I haven't seen him all week. So I'm just going to sit here with you guys. That was small compared to what these disciples might have been experiencing. We don't know who all was in the house. Lazarus was there. I wonder if he's thinking, why is this woman sitting here with us guys? I don't know. Mary was risking something. Have you ever felt so compelled by Jesus, by his winsomeness and your love for him, that you would take a risk to do something that might be seen as culturally awkward? Pray for someone in Safeway. Pray for a coworker. I don't know. What I'm trying to highlight is that even for Mary in this moment, she was taking a risk to be seen as culturally awkward. It's because she was so consumed with love for Jesus. And I wonder too if Martha is so prickly because she's embarrassed for her sister. Why are you doing this? She might have felt like she was protecting Mary from her own self by saying, get in here and be with me. Oh my word. 
we engage with this story, we must recognize our own humanity. That sometimes when we observe the other, who is doing things that are culturally different than our culture, whatever that would be, whether it's an ethnic culture, a social economic culture, whether it's an age culture, we might want to distance and alienate ourselves from the other. And Jesus is saying, no, there's room here. Come, gather together in your awkward, diverse differences. Make space for one another. Here in this place of worship as children of God, we will always be invited to partner with Jesus in situations that could be awkward for us. Would you overlook the awkwardness and extend hospitality to that person that feels so different from you? I wonder today if Jesus has been already speaking to you about making space and offering time and resources, affection, kindness, respect to someone you might see as the other, not quite belonging. I believe Jesus would have us offer hospitality not as a busy work that stresses us out with all the details, but as an extension of the grace we've received from him. He would invite all of us to sit at his feet, to eat with him, as it were, to receive from him grace and strength, and from that space extend it to others. Perhaps you aren't up to making a feast like Martha, but you can start with small steps. Eye contact, a smile, a handshake, coffee, a meal. And stop the self-pity and stop the judgment. Receive of his love and extend it to others. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you probably know of her. She served the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. She said, I see Jesus in every human being and I say to myself, this is a hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is a sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. I believe in that phrase, we have Mary and Martha aligned. Unique expressions, but doing what they do out of a place of love, a recalibration of distraction, of being tossed about by all consuming thoughts and offering love to the other because Christ has loved us. I tell you the truth, said Jesus, when you do it unto the least of these, my brothers, you're doing it unto me. And so in conclusion, I have a few questions for you tonight. What distractions, what things are dragging you around and exhausting you that you need to surrender to Jesus so you can go about the work and the gifting he's assigned you from a place of peace? Would you surrender those things to him? Would you invite him to convict you? Would you be willing to surrender all the buts around that? But then, but then, but then. And simply allow him to fill you with his spirit and teach you how to walk in a new way. It's a frequent prayer of mine when I feel tossed about and I don't know how to fix it. Jesus, teach me how to walk in a new way. And I would ask you if there's an outsider in your life that Jesus wants you to make space for. Perhaps you feel like the outsider. 
the one who's not been invited over to dinner. I want you to know Jesus has time for you and would like to eat with you. Are you feeling like you have nothing to offer because you have a sense of scarcity? Then I would invite you to join Mary at the feet of Jesus and be so filled with his presence that you can go out and offer what he has given to you. Like bread broken and multiplied, be so filled in his presence by eating with him that you can then offer others. I want to conclude with a verse from Revelation 3.20. I grew up hearing this verse all the time. Look, I stand and knock at the door and knock. Did any of you grow up with the iconic picture of Jesus standing outside of a door? And I understood this to be a salvation invitation, and it is. If you feel like you've never had communion, a meal with Jesus, you can now. You simply say yes to him. Yes, Jesus. Here's what the rest of the verse says that I never knew as a child. I don't know why. It says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. That's always where I thought it ended. But it says, and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus wants to eat with you. Where that little place is where he's nudging you, would you open the door and say, come in? If it's for the very first time, simply say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. If you are feeling weary, driven about, exhausted, say, come in to this space. Jesus wants to eat with you. Let's just pause for a moment in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us now? Would you stir up in us an awareness of where you want to make those little adjustments? That the things you've called us to would become an act of worship rather than a harried and driven response. Holy Spirit, would you show us where we've made judgments of others, where we have complained and compared, where we felt like a victim and thought other people need to straighten up and straighten out. Lord, we surrender those people to you and we ask you to set our hearts right. And Lord, where there is an other that you would have us invite in to our space. Where there is an other that you are challenging us to share with. Would you fill us with boldness and courage? Would you fill us with such a relentless love that we don't want to do anything else? Would you compel us to make space? That in the face of others, we would see the face of Christ that we would honor you, God, as we honor each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. We're going to go to the communion table now. I understand that you've been given communion elements as you came in. Would you take that? It's so interesting to me that when we read where Jesus had his first communion meals with the disciples, it was on the night he was betrayed. And what was he doing? He was consuming a meal. Jesus wants to eat with you. And even as we engage in communion together, now it is that remembering that he has provision for us. 
and that in his presence he wants us to receive of his strength. So it says he took the bread and he broke it in and gave thanks. And he said, take it and eat it. And so we take this bread now broken for us and we receive it, his body broken for us that we might be made whole. We receive it now. And then he took the cup and he said, drink. This is my blood shed for you. If you're carrying any shame of your insufficiency, not good enough. It's covered by the work of the cross. So take this cup and receive. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. Jesus, we thank you that you readily emptied of yourself of heaven's glory to become manifest presence, the full expression of God to us, that you took all our sin and our shame, our shortcomings and our insufficiency, and you absorbed it into yourself. And that what you give back to us is fullness, grace, capacity, resources. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that when we cry out to you, you do come. And you fill us. And you enable us to serve others full of your spirit. And that because of the power of you, Holy Spirit, we are able to serve others with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. This is what we want. And so we say as we go here, come Holy Spirit and fill us afresh. That we may love and serve others as you have loved and served us. We ask all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. I wonder if you would stand to receive the benediction. I had the thought to Google benedictions around hospitality, and I found one that struck me profoundly. I don't know who wrote it. It didn't say. But I would bless you with the words of this benediction now. It says, hospitable God, you invite us to a banquet where the last may be first, and the humble and the mighty trade places. Let us share in your abundance with no fear of scarcity. Let us greet strangers as angels you have sent. Send your spirit now so that we may find a place at your table and welcome others with radical hospitality. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace and be blessed.